everybody. Welcome back. I'm Kate. And I'm Katie. And this is Premeditated. Thanks for joining today. We're so excited to chat with you. Yeah. Katie's got, I know nothing about this. No, but but except got... that it's from Wisconsin. Remember last oh, week? Yeah. Little, little, oh, yeah. Because I'm going for the states around Minnesota next week or next time I'm going to do Michigan for sure. I oh. haven't looked at many. But yes, I am making a trip across the United States one state at a time. And so I've done Minnesota. I've done New York. What else have I done? I you did Minnesota. I th- oh, two were in New York because two were in. Yeah, two I did Bonnie were in New York. Yeah, you did and then Bonnie. I did Nancy Titterton was was New York. Yep, and then Minnesota. So I think that's, that's right. You did a twofer. Yeah, so I think that that's. I'm the diverse one. Yeah, you've really you're jumping Washington, all over Idaho, Montana. Yeah, but you're kind of staying in that area. Too, yeah, so. West Virginia. Oh, that's true. West Woo! Virginia. More songs, yeah. guys. Yeah, more songs. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's gonna be more later too. I got that it's our thing. It's, it's our thing. thing now. It's our thing. But yeah, cool. so Wisconsin. I'm Wisconsin. Well, go over, going over to Wisconsin today, guys. Oh my gosh. The Cheesehead State. Oh gosh. So Wisconsin, the land of cheese, land you know, of I cabins. I, lots of beer. Lots of beer. I love cheese, cabins, beer. And I mean, I think that's Wisconsin. The for beast you. of Bray Road, Door County. I've never been to Door County. I went. You loved it. In 2019 for our 10-year anniversary, and it was gorgeous. I know. I know. I need to go. Supposedly, like, weird happenings, like, all kinds of weird shit happened in Door County. Really? Yeah. And I did not witness anything weird. Oh, shoot. Bella got covered with ticks, but that was it. Like, (laughs) that was weird. Bella was a dog. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Just to clarify, Bella, I don't dog. have a child named, I have no children, thank God. <laughs> and not one named Bella that got t- covered in ticks. In no, no. Yeah. I mean, I forgot my dogs outside for like an hour today. And <laughs> like, that's why I can't have kids. Like I right. would get my nails done and leave a baby in a hot car. <laughs> like that yeah. would happen. Yeah, you can't have children. Yeah. The thing. Which I'm open to babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> if you ever need a sitter, if you ever need a sitter, I won't get my nails done. I promise. <laughs> what do you mean I have to keep an eye yeah. on them? <laughs> I'll just put them in a dog crate. Yeah. <laughs> like they're good in a crate, right? I just bowl yeah. of food and water, bowl of sugar, bowl of sugar, bowl of sugar and some no. water. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Oh, bringing it back. So we're talking about Wisconsin today. I'm excited. Yeah. And so I, I started actually reading a book about a different crime, oldie crime in, in Wisconsin, but it just was, a, it's a long book and I will get back to it at some point, but I found a different one that I was more interested in. I've had that happen. Yeah. And it was, it was a book I could have, like, I will finish it. It's a good book, but it just was, it was too long. Like I didn't have the time to finish it before. Well, your kid wakes you up at five. I know exactly. Like, like, I've got a child. If I got to five forty-five, like I think the few times that I have for different reasons, God knows why I was asleep by eight. So when I wake up by myself, like with to my alarm or on my own at like five, totally fine. It's when I wait, yeah, I'm woken you up at that time. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm very used to waking up like early. But when I wake up early to a child, like literally sitting on top of me and saying like, mommy, is it time to wake up yet? And pulling my eyelids open. 
And that's the first thing that I like experience in the morning. No, it's like, it's see, rough. This is, that's a, I told you, it's another reason I can't be a parent because I would inadvertently, you would like maybe shove him off. Inadvertently, yeah. But you could have gotten into the book, but you didn't. So you yeah. started a different one. So as I was looking up like interesting crimes in Wisconsin, this one kept popping up. No books on it, very little information. I dug deep and I Those found Those are the good ones. Yeah. Little information. Very little information. So watch a couple like short YouTube videos. I read so as many they articles. They were stuff films. Yeah, they were. You sicko. I knew it. Okay, porn isn't research. Okay, (laughs) just so we're clear. (laughs) So it wasn't porn. Okay, Um, okay. Was not okay. Yeah, wink, wink. (laughs) So no book for me to reference today, unfortunately. This is from lots of different places. Blow my mind. Ready? I'm ready, ready to go. Okay, so we're go. We are. We are going to reverse a little bit. Oh boy, we're We're going going back. Back back in the time machine to 1991. Oh my god. My little sis was born. So what is that? 33 years ago. It's 30 years ago. 30. No. 91. Well, wait. 31 years ago. I was 10 years old. Okay. You're 10 years old. And I'm 40 now. I was a spry But I'm going to turn 41 this November. So yeah, yeah. 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 So it's going to be 31 years ago. I was three. So shut your whore mouth. I know. I was I was a young three-year-old. Cool brag, yeah. Katie. I was only three. You're so you, young. You barely had a phone. So, look at I'm so young. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. April 24th, 1991, a woman named Alice Anderson calls the Polk County Sheriff's Department to report that her ex-husband, Rick Brenizer, Rick's girlfriend, Ruth Berenson, Ruth's daughter, Mindy and Heidi, who were seven and 10, and then Rick and Ruth's daughter, Crystal, who was five, were all missing. So this family of five, it was Alice, Alice's ex-husband, Rick, his girlfriend, okay. Ruth, and then Ruth's daughters from a previous marriage, Mindy and Heidi, who were seven and 10, and then Ruth and Rick had a daughter together. Crystal. She was five. Okay. All five of them are okay. missing. I got it. Okay. So Polk County is located in West Central Wisconsin, which is like super close to the Minnesota border. In 91, 1991, the county had a total population of around 35,000, but that was in the whole county. The county. Jeez. And Cushing, though, which is the city that we're going to be focusing on. I've heard of Cushing. You probably have. Cushing just had about 700 people living there. And so if you're from the area, it's just east of, I mean, like you, we could get to Cushing in probably 45 minutes. I think here. I transported a rescue dog from around there. I bet. Yeah. It's, it's very close. So yeah. it's just east. Like, do you know North Branch? Yeah. So it's literally just east of North Branch. Like, <gasps> yeah. So it is, yeah. Just across the, the St. Croix River, like Polk County yeah. literally borders Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Borders the St. Croix. So mostly a farming community, you know, just a little bit north of the city is mostly, you know, pine trees and things like that, farming. So like most small towns, very low murder rate, very low, like missing person rate, very low. Anything happens here other than cow tipping rate. Yeah. Cow tipping or bar fights. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So Alice was alerted to the missing family by her son, who she shared with Rick. Okay. So her son. And so it's his dad. Exactly. And his dad's girlfriend. And the three kids. Exactly. That's missing. So he had like, okay. a, it was like two stepsisters, a half sister, his dad, and his stepmom. Okay. They had gone missing. So okay. the son, Bruce Brenizer, is, uh, was 15 at the time. So Alice and Rick had been married, but had been divorced for like 10 years at this point. They were still very close. They shared a son, Bruce. They had good communication. They lived very close. It was close. amicable. It was very amicable. Yeah. Okay. So Rick lived in Cushing and then 
Alice lived in St. Croix Falls, which was like, it's very close to one another. St. Croix Falls is like the bigger city. Cushing okay. is like a very, a smaller city, but okay. they lived close enough because they had to, they shared custody of their son. So they lived close enough. They communicated frequently. So Bruce told Alice that his family had gone on a trip a couple days before to Fridley, Minnesota. Yeah. So on April 22nd. So remember, this is April 24th that she okay. calls the police. So two days okay. prior, said Bruce had told her that they got in the in the family's car. We're taking a trip to Fridley to go to Menards, where you can save oh, I, money. I just went there yesterday. I just it's recently. My favorite place in the whole. We were world. just talking about how much we love Menards. Yes, it's the only place you can get like a bag of gummy bears as well as like some peat moss yep. and like some gorilla glue exactly and Tostitos. Yeah, like, that's- and also. Jack's Pizza, two fifty. Lots of matzo. Lots of matzo. Seven dollars. <laughs> Cannot beat it. My dad loves a lots of matzo from Menards because it's so cheap. You can't. I mean, you can, can get Menards. fencing materials and Reese's peanut butter cups. I know. When I need to like chill out I, after like Menards. a long training or stressful yeah. work calls or something, and I'll just I am and be like. I need to go to Menards because it soothes me. Like, and I'll just walk Go walk through the plants. Go get some snacks. Go get some snacks. Like, get some inspiration for some home some decor. Frisbees for the dogs. Oh, literally, they have a giant some pet section. carpet swatches. There's literally, it's, I, the opportunities are endless at Menards. No one's ever been to Menards. I know. I will tell you, as, a, as an out-of-towner, like, uh, a not a Minnesota native, that place is fucking amazing it is. it is the most amazing place i've ever been yeah that's great so they were going to menards which is like good for you guys family but they never came back bruce thought that they made <laughs> well right that can happen though <laughs> yeah it happens to us all <laughs> i i mean time 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 flies by when you're in that place so bruce thought either a they were lost at menards because it's menards or b they had car trouble so he didn't think too much of them not returning that night and uh actually got up and went to school the next day so when he got home from school on the 23rd that's when he realized like something was weird he the family hadn't returned and that's when he kind of became concerned and he called his mom left this i mean i guess he's 15 yeah he's 15 and so so Alice went to pick up Bruce and and brought him back to her house after she had called him and was like, Mom, like dad's missing and I don't know where he's at. So Alice spent the next 12 hours or so trying to get in touch with Rick. She, you know, called the trailer over and over. She wasn't getting any response. And that's when she decided to call the police. And like I said, Alice and Rick had always had a good relationship. It, this isn't something that he would just like fall off the face of the earth yeah, without he calling her and her. telling her. Okay. So yeah, so she was like he would have ca- he would have called. So this is unusual. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit later. Like Rick had kind of a, a a job where he did move about quite a bit, and so it wasn't uncommon for him to just like pick up and and go someplace for a night. But he always made sure to tell Alice because right. they just had that sort of relationship. So so police officers go to Bruce for you know for clarification on what happened since he was the last person to see his family, and he reiterated the Menard story and said that you know Rick had actually asked Bruce. He's like I he. His dad wanted him to go to Menard uh, with the family, but Bruce is like, I have too much homework. And I just like, honestly, the idea of like sitting in a car with three children and my dad and and stepmom for an hour, like doesn't sound super appealing. Yeah, that wouldn't be Menard. I know, right? Like, God, <laughs> Bruce, Menard. Menards. Menards. Like the riches will be a plenty if you go <laughs> in the pound of a five pound bag. 
of gummy bears or Tootsie Rolls or some like chocolate covered peanuts. Oh or my God. Are those, those, I mean, seriously, those chocolate covered peanuts make me sick because I could sit and eat an entire bag and then I'm like, I'm going to barf, but yeah. they're well, delicious. And I'm a salt person. So like you get me a good pub mix. Oh yeah. I, like the sesame sticks. Oh, also, I mean, I could go on with Menards. We could really, let's just do this podcast. Yeah. Forget the Bernays' family. Do you know how much money we can make? Sponsor us, okay? Sponsor us, Menards. Sponsor us. Uh, so, so yeah, Bruce said that uh, Rick had wanted him to go to Menards, but he had too much homework. Honestly, just not feeling going to Menards with his whole family. So he's, he's staying back. Um, and apparently Bruce said it did cause a little bit of like an argument between him and his dad. His dad was like, bro, you're 15. Like, I can't leave you at home alone. Right. And like a reasonable father. Right. And he was like, come on, dad, like 15. I'm not a little kid anymore. (laughs) His dad's like, Bruce, get in the car. And Bruce was like, I'm not doing it. And then it just petered out and Bruce won. So Bruce stayed home. So police officers, obviously they spoke with Bruce. And after speaking with him, it seemed like what he was saying was true. Nothing was missing from the trailer. It looked like the family had left in their station wagon and only brought things that you'd bring if you were like going on a trip. Oh, okay. So like there were wallets gone, purses were gone, things like that. But it wasn't like they had packed any bags or brought anything for the kids or anything like that. It was clearly just like meant to be. Equipped. Like they were just ditching Bruce. Right. Like, yeah. They were literally just going to Menards. Menards. <laughs> the things you'd normally bring to Menards, like like a suitcase, a, suitcase, <laughs> a freezer, you know, like a, a flatbed trailer. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, some bailing twine and bungee cords, you know, and just a the camper. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nice stuff. <laughs> an Aerostar van. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't forget, like three fridges for all the pizza. <laughs> I'm like, are we? Are we the only people that really love Menards? I, I think we are. It's like I know my family does too, but that's just, like just speaks to who but I am. I but- literally like. My heart speeds up when I think about going there. So, yeah. So they confirmed, you know, nothing really missing from the trailer. And they also reached out to Rick's family and Ruth's family members. They hadn't heard from them. So they were like, you know, they didn't think that they had just, they had, they had left of their own accord for like a long trip. They thought something must have happened either to and from Menards. Okay. So a search ensued on ground and in air. So there was helicopters going overhead to see if something, you know, along the route that they typically would have driven to Menards. So did they um, confirm with Menards that these people had not? So yeah. Them? So I guess that later, but I'll just. So oh, yeah. yeah. So ahead. they they called Menards to see. <laughs> Menards fucking sponsor us, Jesus Christ! How many times am I, I gonna drop your name know. in this podcast? I'm like, why I haven't just, they asked us to be in commercials? Is what I, I want to know. I don't know. Like I want I want to save big money, and I want to be in a commercial <laughs> singing that song. That's all I'm gonna say. That's, I, okay, we'll do it. We'll yeah, do exactly. it. We're making that about happen. murder. I'm putting that in yeah. the universe today. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> going in my bucket list the promise yeah yes okay so yeah so they did um contact the menards in fridley and at the time you know didn't have cct it's not right, no cct yeah but they did like check they asked them to check and see if there was any any way that they could have he could have paid with a credit card or a check and they did it took them a long time it took them like several days but they came back and said there was no uh history or, or no in- indication that they had actually gotten to menards <sighs> so of course there was the possibility that they paid with cash and 91, there's no cell phones. So investigators tracked Rick's movements over the previous days. And Rick, like I said, did a bunch of kind of odd jobs. So he worked over the previous days, worked for several people doing odd jobs and, and nobody noticed like anything peculiar or different. They, he was acting totally normal. So again, once again, they were like, this isn't a guy who would just like disappear 
you wouldn't just go somewhere without telling people like something must have happened. So he was like a tradesman doing like construction work or like electrical. Or yeah. Like- so he worked at, he worked several jobs. He was a motel clerk. He worked at a turkey farm, putting up fencing and then was like a handyman. So he did a lot of his own like independent fencing, but also he like kind of odd and farm putting up fencing. Right. So he like had been in some financial troubles. I wouldn't say financial troubles. I would just say he, he was stretched then and their family. I mean, he lived, We've all been there. Right. And he had a family, like he had four kids to support. And I will say their trailer was, so they lived in a single wide trailer in the middle of nowhere. Like it was in Cushing, but it was very, it was just like, if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't know. There was like no road or anything out there. And there was like footage. You can like look up like videos of, of like, you know, police footage of them walking through the trailer. It was borderline like hoarder situation they didn't have any electricity they didn't have running water or plumbing how could you live so they literally it was just it was a it was kind of you know without being judgmental of course but it was it didn't seem like a very healthy environment probably especially large family kids and well no wonder bruce didn't want to ride with you know three sim- like be even more cramped in a car he's like, been on top of them they're they literally live on top of each other he just wanted a little space i think like yeah so like any 15 year old right a um, alone time so he would also like i said like um occasionally travel for work because he would he was just like always looking for jobs so if somebody had a job kind of far away he would take it and he would take the family he didn't like being away from his his younger kids so he would just bring all of them up with him they get like a hotel for the night and he'd do jobs like if it was you know some distance away i mean that's sweet but on the other hand that had to be hard on his wife and kids and well and little kids don't really notice but but they were as five, they seven, get, and ten. Yeah, as they got older, I'm sure it was. I mean, yeah, you're trying to make ends meet, but why don't you just leave us here? And, right. But and they I probably didn't. only had one vehicle. Actually, they didn't. I, they had actually a few vehicles. They actually yeah. had three. Well, I so, guess he's just trying to do the best that he can. Right. But. And then, I, I, like I said, very little information about this, like that I could find. So I was interested to know what Ruth did, but I couldn't find any information on if she had a job or she was like a stay-at-home mom. I or, mean, so a lot of people who knew Rick had like very great things to say about him. He was a hard worker. He had a lot of pride in his family. He was always like doing something because he just wanted to to make money. And again, his ex-wife Alice had had wonderful things. They had a good relationship she had good things to say about him so yeah so rick's dad had told them had told the police that you know like i said occasionally he would do overnights and also that on the weekends he occasionally would sell things at flea markets or at a specific flea market in the area so they contacted the owner of the flea market and the the owner said that rick had reserved a spot at the flea market on on april 27th which would have been which was like you know that weekend yeah he never showed up to the to that. That's interesting. I wonder if that's part of the hoarder situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, he must just have a lot of a lot, a lot of, of things. stuff. Yeah. And then, like some guys just to, like sell stuff and then acquire more stuff. Right. And like, yeah. Right. So. so, but he had to pay to be part of this flea market. So the the owner was like, he never missed out. Like, if he yeah, paid, if you're hard up on money, you're not going to pay for something and not do it. Especially if there was the pot like possibility to make some. Yeah. Money. Yeah. So, so again, very odd that he just didn't show up and it again just showed that something, something, something was amiss. Yeah. So police knew that the family was driving a 1980 Oldsmobile station wagon. So they put, put an alert out to police in the area just to let them know, keep an eye out for this, the station wagon. If you see it, run the plates. So first thing they did obviously was search the Brenizer trailer, the trailer, like I said, essentially in the middle of nowhere. 
and just had stuff everywhere. It didn't have any evidence of foul play though. So it was like, it was very messy and pretty disgusting inside, but it was like hard to tell if it was, it wasn't, it wasn't messy. Like things had been like, it was organized. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty disgusting, but it was clear that that's just how it was. Yeah. That's just their lifestyle. Yeah. So on May 11th, there was a fisherman who was fishing in Sterling Township, which was about three miles or so from where the Brenizer's home was. And he found a burned out car that was missing place. I, t- I told you, I, it's always that guy that's out there yeah, you're looking right. for snakes. You're right. Yeah. Herman's just out there looking for snakes. Yep. And he finds everything. You, you cannot you hide You cannot things. hide it. Even in Sterling Township, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, Herman's gonna be looking for snakes, <laughs> and your shit is gonna get found. Yeah. So found this this burned out car uh, that had missing plates, and like I said, it was very well known what kind of car was being looked for with right. for this missing. Family. So they put out an APB, and then an all points bulletin for those of you oh. that are not well versed in, <laughs> in police talk. <laughs> but- so yeah, so they told everyone in that they told all local authorities, but also everyone in the area knew like we're looking for this 1980 Oldsmobile station wagon, and that's what this guy found. Okay, so he saw it and was immediately like, "Oh shit, this is not good." Like I got it. Oh, and it's all burned and doesn't have a plate on it. That's and it wasn't just burned; it was like incinerated. The inside was completely gone. Well, fire can get like well, fire can get really hot. Fire is hot. <laughs> Says the ex firefighter. Right. Fire could get you real hot, Katie. I used to, I used you to fight fire, so I don't want to think or two about fire temperatures. I meant if you've got gasoline and oil and metal, fire can get like really, really hot. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. They get really hot. Maybe get really like like maybe not touch it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just don't touch fire, kids. <laughs> Good rule of thumb. Stop, drop, and roll. Another reason I'm not a parent. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So there were indications that it was arson. Obviously, like like you just said, if 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 a car just set on fire, like it's it's unlikely it would have been burned. Like in its even with all of the the oil and gas that's in the car. Oh yeah, you have to stand there and actively accelerate right fire to get it to incinerate the entire thing. They also I imagine. I have personally have never set a car on fire. (laughs) So they could tell that someone had used a key to drive the the car to the location that there, it wasn't like jumpstarted or anything. Okay. So they could tell that somebody had used a key and in the back of the car, there were gas cans and there was a shovel. There were several indications that the car was burned and then somebody had returned to the scene to mess with the vehicle afterwards. So like not only was probably burn it even further. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a shovel in the back of the car, like I said, but the shovel wasn't burned. So it looked like someone brought the shovel after the fire to like dig around or right. Right. Cause they can, they can age that stuff. Yeah. They can figure out. And it was just like, everything's burned except for like, except for this, except for the shovel. Yeah. There were also scrape marks from the shovel in the back of the car showing that something may have been scraped out of the car after it had been burned. So it was like clear oh, that stuff no. had been had been fooled around with. So they could also see there was a shoe print on one of the doors showing that somebody like had kicked the door shut or just kicked the door after the fact. So again, somebody had been he been at this car after it had burned. Right. What else they noticed on the car? There was a blood stain on the back bumper, which had somehow survived the fire. And upon looking in the back, so you you know how like uh you know how station wagons have like that big like cargo area. God, station wagons were such a strange car. The way back. But like we but, called it the way back. Yeah, but like literally, like 
you'd be like <laughs> sitting behind the the seat and like yeah. facing backwards. Yeah. Yeah, my grandparents had one, and God, I loved that thing. We had a Subaru station wagon, <sighs> so that's where like the scrapings were. That's where the shovel was, and the police were kind of you know we're looking around the vehicle, and in that back area, they saw what they believed to be bone fragments. God damn it! Like small bone fragments, because like I said, this car is absolutely oh, fire, incinerated. I mean, well, obviously, people get cremated, right? So. So the police called in an anthropology expert from UW-Madison, which I was like, fancy pants. I fucking love anthropologists. I know. And I'm like, holy crap, this small town thought, like, had enough, you know, wherewithal yeah. to, and like, I, I don't know, foresight to be like, we should probably call in an expert. This because is like this bigger is than like, ex- I mean, not exciting for them, but yeah, exciting because they, they've never had as oh, big yeah. a case as this. And I'm sure they brought in, they had to bring in other officials at some point because it's an entire family. Right. Oh. So they, they brought in an anthropologist. So they brought in an anthropologist and they were able to analyze them and find that they were from two adults and at least two kids. Oh, I feel sick. So another interesting point was that bone fragments were found only in the back. They weren't found anywhere like in the front seats, which indicated that the family was likely driven to the location in the back. So they were all put in the back and driven there. They were probably murdered and then put in the back. So police then, so the bones, they they were able to use the bones to identify like age. You know, they could they could figure right, out like right. these are adult bones. These are children's Which I bones. I think is so fascinating. Unfortunately, they couldn't, the bones were so disintegrated. Um, so disintegrated. They couldn't pull any like DNA or anything to determine whose bones they were. And even then, like 91 was 91. pretty early in DNA yeah, analysis. that was like the right on the brink. Right give or take six or seven years. So in the bone fragments and all the other things, they found teeth. So they were able to pull some teeth that were pretty badly damaged, but again, enough to the best thing to go by. Right. Yeah. So they called in a dental expert. So they, not only they call an anthropologist, they called in a dental expert. Like like, they're shoveling a shit ton of the budget into this. Right. So they were able to identify the teeth as belonging to Rick and Ruth, but they couldn't find any teeth that belonged to, like they couldn't find any teeth that definitively belonged to the children. A lot of that is because like it, dental records for adults are much more, much yeah. more extensive than a five, seven and 10 year old, you know, like they probably didn't have a ton of dental records. They didn't have records to indicate which child these teeth belonged to. However, they were able to determine that there were teeth fragments from a five ish year old, a seven ish year old and a 10 ish year old. So they were oh. like, so you can, they could age the teeth. They just couldn't, you know, again, the dental records, they didn't have them to definitively be like, these are okay. her teeth. So unfortunately they did determine that these, the five family members had been killed or burned in this car or somehow so died a and up were, with a monster somehow were burned in this car. In addition, some of the fragments of teeth, uh, especially the teeth that were identified as Rick's teeth, had the presence of lead in them, which indicated that he may have been shot in the head. His teeth had, had lead. lead. Like a, fra- a lead fragment. Well, buckshot can... It Maybe it was with, that. It and they were, in little Because it wasn't like it would be uh, abs- like absorbed into the bloodstream or anything. I'm not sure how that all works. No, but- if you... If you- let's say if one were to put a shotgun in their mouth and pull the trigger, it's not just, it's not just one bullet goes like it goes. Right. So maybe that's, that's probably, that's that's probably what it is. Yeah. So police considered after that, that, that perhaps they had been shot. So obviously (sighs) the small communities rallied around Bruce because he was 15 years old at the time and his whole family had been slaughtered. Yeah. Just decimated. Um, I mean, he's got his mom, right? Like 
but yeah, I mean, like little his siblings, sis, yeah, his and... siblings, and all the people. Like he lived with this these people like at least half the time. So you know, social workers called uh, Alice Bruce's mom and and asked you know if they could offer any services to Bruce to help him get through this tough time. And Alice declined because she said Bruce was doing just fine. Well, she could small town America in 1991. It wasn't that long ago that we just came around to mental health. That's very true. That is very true. I didn't consider that. You know, no, we don't need a therapist. That's very, that is a great point. So, so obviously Bruce got was, was questioned pretty extensively because he was the the last person to see them alive, but he was super cooperative with police. He was a nice kid and he didn't, seem to have any motive like they were like he doesn't have a financial motive he doesn't have there's no motive life insurance or and he was consistent he continued telling a consistent story about the menards thing about what happened and he came into the police station to retell the story and help in any way that they need like anytime they called him so he was always like at their beck and call essentially that poor kid so in the conversations bruce had with police he mentioned that between a week and a month before the murder he said a man had come to their house and said that his dad had owed him money and was like, tell your dad he owes me money. And he didn't know who the man was. And he didn't know who the man was. And he said that he told his dad about it and his dad just kind of like laughed it off. So police searched Rick's financial records, but there was nothing really to it. They said like Rick and Ruth were definitely not well off, but they didn't have any like history of asking to borrow money from friends or family members. So they were, they were struggling, but they were struggling independently. And it they sounds weren't like going... Bruce did honest work. He wasn't like or Rick, dealing yeah. drugs or, yeah. you know, pimping girls out. Like, right. So Rick was yeah. Rick. They were doing hard work and they were just scraping by, but they weren't, they weren't asking for charity or they yeah. weren't asking for help from family members. Yeah. So, so the, the police were like, it would, it would be weird for him to never ask his own family or friends for money, but then go to some stranger and owe a stranger money. So they didn't put a whole lot of weight into that. Sure. That theory. Bruce also said that the day he went to school, so the family went to Menards, went missing the 22nd. He went to school the 23rd, gets home from school the 23rd. And that's when he calls his mom and is like, they're not back. Right. Bruce said that that day when he was at school, he believed someone had come into the trailer and like rummaged through things. He said nothing was missing, but maybe they were looking for something. So again, police well, are not a lot of junk. I right. mean, pe- people find Picassos and Van Goghs behind couches. Right. And he had, so. and he, like they were, they were flea marketers. So they yeah. had lots of stuff. And they could have something of value that only a few people knew about. Exactly. Yeah. So police were obviously connecting interviews with basically anyone who had anything to talk about because they had no leads. So they talked to a lot of Bruce's friends, a lot of Rick and Ruth's friends, just like anyone in the t- county or in the town who thought that they might know something. One of Bruce's friends came forward and, and said that Bruce smoked quite a bit of weed. He's like, yeah, Bruce... The kid, the 15 year old. Oh, smokes, yeah. Smokes quite a bit of weed. He said the guy, though, that he would purchase his weed from was a known Satanist. <gasps> That's right. He was a Satanist. Satanic panic. So the devil's going to get you. The friend said, you know, there's a known Satanic yeah. drug ring in this area when really he just <laughs> listens to death metal right exactly and dresses in black so the police speculated that perhaps bruce owed this satanic cult money oh, and they were wanna... intending to kill bruce because bruce was supposed to be in the car that day in debt to lucifer and in addition <gasps> satanic graffiti was discovered nearby dun 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 <laughs> Satanic graffiti, whatever that means. Actually, I think it was, it's like pentagrams and shit. 
So about 30 miles away. So it wasn't even like close. It was like 30 miles away. <laughs> 30 miles away. In, the, in, in a temple, in some in like Masonic temple. Ditch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they found, I only found this in one source. So I don't know if this is actually true, but apparently the graffiti said, devil worship, death by fire. And it was signed S-I-T-N. No idea what that means. Sitin? Like, was it supposed to be like Sitin? Who knows? But of course, there's burned bodies and police are like, we've got some satanic cults in the area and we need to figure this out. Sitin. Satanic. We've got some satanic. No one. I know. (laughs) So all the sources were like, clearly the police didn't really think this, but they had to follow these leads because of satanic panic. I'm like, BS. The height of satanic panic. And it was a couple years before, like the West Memphis Three. Yeah, the West Memphis Three. Like all that stuff. The child molestation ring. Yes, exactly. The daycare thing. Oh yes. Oh god. That was. So this was like the prime of satanic panic and small town satanic panic was like a different type. Sure. So yeah. So they're like, because they got Jesus in their souls and the devil's on their tongues. (laughs) (laughs) It was obviously Satan. Satan. S-I-T-N. Satan. It was (laughs) Satan. So yeah. So the burned bodies laid the police to believe like, well, maybe we are dealing with satanic killers. You can't rule it out. And they thought that some bones had probably been removed from the vehicle. They didn't burn completely. Yeah. And they're like, Somebody took those bones for their ritualistic yeah, sacrifices or whatever worship. they tell of devil bloodletting and the goats. And so stuff. literally, this was like one of their like top theories. It was like obviously it was Satanists. Obviously. obviously. Like, and people, of course, the like the town was obsessed with it. They were like, oh, yeah. This is of course what it is. This kid wears uh wears flannel shirts and listens right. to Nirvana and he, and he sells fun. marijuana. And he sells marijuana. He sells the devil's oh, grass. Oh Jesus. <laughs> So police follow up on this satanic drug ring, story, drug ring story, and in doing so, they start interviewing more of Bruce's friends to see if they like can come up with anything about it. They focus on a couple of Bruce's best friends, one of them being a girl named Katie Hahn. So Katie, no, there's a lot of Katie Kates. This is you know, it's a popular well, it name the at the 90s. time. Yeah, yeah. this is the, the name of the nineties. The name of the nineties. <laughs> so Katie Hahn was one of Bruce's best friends. And she also happened to be the girlfriend of Bruce's stepbrother, Jesse Anderson. So this was the stepbrother through his mom. So his mom, Alice, married a man named Ron Anderson. And Ron Anderson had a child, uh, Jesse Anderson. Yes, before. So Jesse's older. Uh, Actually, that's a. I think Jesse's younger. I think okay. they're both like they're very close in age. I think okay. I think Jesse was 14 and Bruce was 15 or so 15 Katie and 16. is Jesse's girlfriend. Right. Okay. So Katie is Jesse's girlfriend. Katie is also like best friends with Bruce. So they just like have like a lot this, of characters. Right. So yeah. they're like just these three best three friends. amigos. Right. We're the three, three best friends that anyone could have. have. Exactly. That's, <laughs> we're just going to sing every point. <laughs> honestly, my goal in life. So Katie uh, said that Jesse and Bruce had been like, they were best friends. They did everything together, told everything to each other. We're always just like palling around. And she said it was very weird because recently they'd been acting really hostile towards one another, especially when discussing police investigation and oh. talking about Bruce, you're always going to the talking to the police. Cause I said, Bruce is like very cooperative and apparently was causing some issues between the two of them. Previously they'd been thicker than thieves. And all of a sudden like something was coming between them. A Satan-shaped wedge. <laughs> it's wearing a Metallica shirt, so it's a Satan-shaped wedge for yeah. sure. That's like a really cool shoe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. 
This is December 22, (laughs) same shake wedge. (laughs) You'll see. I want that shoe. Black strap (laughs) and flames up the side. (laughs) An upside down cross. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, right. Don't forget that upside down cross. Never. So uh, Katie also mentioned that the two of them had been making comments to one another, alluding to the fact that maybe they knew more than that they were letting on with regards to the killing. Sounds like Katie was the weak link. So like up until this point, police had literally not shown any interest in Bruce. They were like this poor child. He's like, like you said, like poor kid, like he's 15. He lost his whole family. He I just wanted to, what? We're all like, yeah. oh, this poor guy, like no motive, no reason, no like real opportunity. You're like, He's 15. There's no way. But Katie saying all these things was like, huh, maybe we need to revisit that a little bit. So after Katie's interview, they reach out to a couple of more, more of Bruce's friends. One of his friends during the interview said that immediately after he reported his family missing, Bruce began selling stuff from their trailer. So they had a lot of stuff in the trailer. As we talked about, it was like a hoarder's paradise. And Bruce starts selling stuff. He had been taking his dad's collectible coins and using them in the arcade games <gasps> oh, can you imagine oh my god can you imagine like a quarter worth like a hundred dollars and he's like i'm gonna play this i want to play Coin pinball collectors earmuffs right that's it the earmuffs oh guys my god. and then in addition he had been just like giving away his like family's electronics he was bragging about how many vehicles he now had all to himself because you he had three his family had three cars that's not cool and this is while his family was only missing like this is before they found this is before they found their burned out car yeah so all of these things might want to take a closer look right and they're like okay you don't like your family's missing you don't even know they're dead and you're like doing all this shit that that indicates you know they're not coming back yeah they also said this a couple of friends were like, you should also talk to Jesse Anderson because for sure something he knows something. Something's going on between the two of them. So, like I said, Jesse is the son of Ron Anderson, who was married to Alice Anderson, Bruce's mom. Yeah. So I couldn't find how long they had been married, but they had been together a while. Jesse and you know, the police came and, and wanted to speak with Jesse. And Ron was like, Yeah, of course. Like, Jesse, come on, you're gonna talk to the police. Like, yeah, you have nothing, nothing to hide. You have nothing to hide, guys. Like, yeah, sure, Jesse. Like, right? Like, let's talk to the police. So Ron clearly believed, like, he's like, Jesse has nothing to hide. In speaking with the police, Jesse repeated essentially the same story that Bruce had told before. The family went to Menards, like, I don't know anything else. But during the interview, Jesse was clearly getting agitated and he started acting super weird. And Ron noticed this. Ron was like, what the fuck? Like, this is not how you behave. And he's like, we need to stop this interview. Like right now, I need to talk to him for a second. Like, are you high? Right. Like Like, he was like, we need to go talk because this is not how he normally behaves. So they go and like talk. They go like into a private room and talk for 15 minutes and they come out and Jesse's dad, Ron was like, you know what? We need to speak with an attorney. Oh, shit went down in that private room. So they were like, we want to keep talking, but we need to talk to an attorney first. So on May 18th, Jesse did speak with a lawyer. He then said he wanted to cooperate with authorities. So he, he spoke with a lawyer who then probably was like, dude, you know shit. Like you have got to come clean about this. Maybe you can get some sort of deal. Yeah. So, Especially if he wasn't responsible for the actual killing. So Jesse basically came clean right away and told him, you know, everything he knew, everything that happened. He said that on April 21st, so the day before the Menards trip, Bruce had told him that he was sick and tired of his living conditions. He was tired of living in a trailer with 
without electricity or right, right. or Which plumbing or you yeah. know or wa- he running water. Gone to live with his mom, and his mom had a nice big house on a farm, and so he was like, "I hate that I have to spend half of my time in this cramped, crowded house with." three kids and like no running water and all this crap yeah, and yeah no that, space like, yeah of course suck. like it does yeah. suck but he's like i'm tired of my living conditions and i'm gonna kill my whole family okay well it sucks but yeah it sucks <laughs> but the butt is big here yeah the yeah butt is important emphasis on the butt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so bruce shared this with jesse and jesse's like yeah right like i know i oh, get yeah, it like, i mean I want to. I would want to kill my family too. I. I. I'm like trying to think of a time. I've never. I don't had, think I've ever been like I'm going to kill them. I'm like, or I'll, I'm going to. I'm going to kill you. I can't think of ever saying no, that to my I, sisters. I never. I'm sure they'll like call me out. And be like, cause you did. But I, I know. Don't I, think know. I did, and I certainly never <laughs> ever talked about killing my parents. Like, but yeah, like I. I like, would never. I would no, never. I mean, not normal conversation. Different demographic than we grew right, up in. Right. Different and guys, maybe and like guys? maybe that's a guy thing. I don't know. I just I, I don't understand it. Anyway, go on. So of course he didn't believe him. So you know, Jesse's Naturally. like, yeah, dude, okay. Taking out your whole family. No one ever thinks a 15-year-old's gonna do that. So April 22nd, Bruce called Jesse and says to Jesse, I did it. I killed them. <gasps> and what the fuck is Jesse? Jesse once again was like, What the fuck are you talking about, bro? Like, did not believe him again, was like, Haha, okay. So he decides to go over to the Brenizer family's trailer and like see what was going on. Cause he's like, No, no, no way. way. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah. So I he gets the there thing. and he sees the scene. And he was so disgusted that he vomited. Like he he said it was like appalling. Immediately he was just absolutely repulsed. So Bruce asked Jesse to help him clean up the scene. And for one reason or another, Jesse agreed. He's I mean, probably like, afraid he's probably he's like, oh my God, like you literally murdered people. Like, yeah, you mowed down your entire right, family. Right. Who knows what he's gonna do to him? And he said he's just like, I just didn't know what to do. And I mean, I, I gotta be honest, like. I think in that situation, like, and I would feel the same way. Like if, if you called me and were like, Hey, I killed Keith. And I'd get over there and be like, <laughs> like I thought you were like, Haha, I just killed him. And I get over there and he's actually dead. And you're like, I need you to help me clean this up. Well, I know who not to call. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> what would you, you would, cause I feel like I have to, otherwise like I'm going to oh, die. Oh, for sure. If you can kill five people, three of them being children. You are psychotic. Oh, see, that's the part that gets me. Yeah. Because I'm I mean, like, those kids, you can be resentful about your living situation. And I totally would. In right. In that situation. Right. I would be so, I would just be fed up. But there's social services. There's police. There's your mom. There's all these other people. Yeah. And even if all of them said, no, you can't live with me or no, they're not going to do anything because our, you know. Whatever. Our system yeah. does fail. Yeah, children right. Children all the time. Just those little kids. Like they have created this situation. Children. Oh, <sighs> Jesus. So Jesse said that they used the shovels to clear up blood that had pooled around the bodies. Oh my God. Can and you imagine the smell? Like I've heard it smell like, like blood. It the smells smell like of blood. Pennies. pennies. Right. So they loaded the bodies into wheelbarrows and put all of their bodies into the back of the station wagon. You know where they probably got those wheelbarrows. <laughs> I just got a wheelbarrow at Menards. <laughs> Menards, full circle here. <laughs> and I'm telling you. Got a wheelbarrow and a pizza. It's a four-wheel wheelbarrow, too. And that, oh, that thing is, nice. is sturdy. 
It can it can carry up to three hundred pounds. So yeah. So he probably used half that. of the family. Exactly. Yeah. He used that. Oh. So we so wheeled them over to the car. Wheeled them over to the car. Got them. Put all of the family, every family member, in the back of the station wagon. <sighs> Bruce drove the bodies to you know just found a random logging road. Which again, in one of the sources, people are like, "What's a logging road?" I'm like, "I guess How maybe do that you is not know what is that, that is? like a northern thing." I don't know. Oh, here. I mean, anyone that's not in a logging state, right. wouldn't know what it is. Right, like, actually used by there's just a shit ton of them in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but there's a lot of them in northern Wisconsin. Yeah, too. yeah, big it's logging. Literally, what jack. it says, like a logging road. Right, like it's literally a road created by logging trucks. So anyway, they, okay, so Bruce drove the bodies to the scene of the burn. Jesse followed behind another car because Jesse's like, I can't be in that car. Like, I don't, I can't be in there. Well, and he's probably terrified that he's going to get caught out there with him without a way to get away. So that. So yeah, so they went, they found this logging road, drove down the logging road until they couldn't drive anymore. And that's when they doused the car in gasoline and lit it on fire. Honestly, I blame like a kid. Jesse's what, 16? Yeah, 15, 16. A scared 16, 14 year old. 16. Whatever Jesse does, my personal opinion is he was scared yeah and so bruce also told jesse to bring the gun to a nearby pond and toss it in there and that's what he did so apparently later you know authorities recovered the gun yeah so authorities did cover the gun from the pond so everything that jesse said like it's checking out is checking checking out. out okay so the next day at school, apparently they discussed the murder in in pretty. I am telling you, I don't. People fucking are so fucking kids. stupid. Like I always say, like when the when it's unsolved, and it was you know the only thing the eyewitness can say is that there were people, people plural right. there. When there's more than one person, I just feel like they're it's gonna talk about it at some point. It's a matter of time. Yeah. So they were at school talking about it. And Jesse was basically saying like I couldn't sleep last night. I was just like traumatized. And Bruce is like. Man, I slept like a baby because the house was actually quiet for once. <gasps> there was one source. It was a it was an AP article that said that it was discovered that Jesse actually gave Bruce the bullets for his gun and advised Bruce to kill his family outside to to make it cleaner and make cleanup easier. But I couldn't find anything that corroborated that. Jesse was not ultimately charged with anything. He was given immunity so long as he he. So I'm like, if there was any any proof that he or any yeah, evidence that even he if like he did, yeah. Like, Again, it could have been like really a really believe he was exactly gonna do it. So not sure how much involvement Jesse had, but at the end of the day, he came clean about everything, and that casts him in a different light. But yeah, yeah. So I hope not. I hope he didn't do that. But so Jesse said the days after the murder, they realized that they needed to conceal some of the evidence evidence from the burned out car. Obviously, okay. they continued to discuss the murder like a couple of morons. <sighs> um, we're like, we got to go back because you know, Kids, police you are going to understand consequences. Exactly. So they returned to the vehicle. They used a shovel to remove larger bone fragments from the car. Jesse mentioned collecting a child's skull from the bones in the car that hadn't burned fully. And they took the license plates off the car at this time. What? Put all of the stuff. The fuck? Right. A child's skull. I'm stunned. Right. And they How? just put it into a duffel bag. And then, like, brought it to Jesse's house and buried it in Jesse's yard. Like, I've read some disturbing, gruesome, horrible things. Like, people are capable of the worst of the worst. But that is so dark. Can you imagine, like, shoveling up the burned remains (sighs) of children and just being like, okay, children, you know. I'm speechless. I know. Like, just repulsive. That's disgusting. So a little bit about uh, Bruce Berneiser. He was born June 27th, 1975 to Allison Rick. He was their only child. His high school principal described him as, quote, just one of those kids you wouldn't notice, an average, average kid. Family members of Ruth told investigators, however, that there had been tension between 
Bruce and Ruth's two daughters. Because remember, Ruth had two daughters from a previous marriage. How could there be tension with a five and a seven? Yeah, it was like seven and ten, but still. like seven and ten. So apparently Ruth was actually going to send her daughter to live with her mother if Rick did not tell Bruce that he needed to move out of the family's trailer. Because Bruce was just acting up towards the kids and also obviously towards towards Ruth and Rick. So there must have been some... Thing that was preventing him from living with Alice full time. Right. And unfortunately in this situation, like Bruce never gave a confession. Like what we're going to talk, like it, he, ad- he admitted to what he did. He admitted it and was like, yes, I did this, but he didn't give a confession. He like, didn't motive, real motive. Or- yeah. And, or like a play by play of how things happen. Oh, we, everything shit. we know is it's through Jesse. Jesse. He just clearly was, had some sort of frustration towards, towards the family. Why? Literally, we don't know other than his living conditions. Like that is literally. I mean, and you can. F- I mean, yeah, you can fight with step siblings, and and ten year old girls are annoying as shit. But right. like, it there was some mention of Rick and Ruth being abusive towards Bruce, just physically, Bruce. just towards Bruce. So again, I didn't find yeah. a ton on. The, I didn't find anything on other than just like the mention of it. But it sounds like that was perhaps an additional motive. And again, if it, maybe that's the case, we don't know because like Bruce literally never shared it. That's he didn't crazy. ever talk crazy. about it. He would. You would think he would at least be like, "Can you blame me? This is why." Exactly. Like, you know, it's just very odd. That's interesting that he, especially a son with a father who killed his father. You, I mean, to not say anything, like say he beat the shit out of me, or like he was a horrible father, or like not right say anything, just nothing. Oh, that so, kid's messed up. So. I am going to talk a little bit about the killings and how they happened. This is all information again that Jesse shared, and it is it's it's rough. Oh, but okay, so we're we're offering a disclaimer here for those of you that are sensitive to right. this kind of material, especially children. Like, so um, you might want to skip ahead. On yeah, this skip part. ahead like two minutes. Yeah. So Bruce started by tying up Mindy and Heidi, his two stepsisters, outside the trailer. He heard them talking, like while they were tied up, he heard them talking about how they were going to to escape. And that's when he killed them. He shot them so hard that one of the girl's head was blown almost entirely off. Well, a shotgun. And that's it. He used a, he used a rifle. He used like a hunting rifle. Okay. Like a 22 or something. Yeah. It was like a 30. I don't know. 30. There was, there was a three in there. Okay. <laughs> not, not a gun person, but any, any gun, but it was a, it was yeah, a close range. Just close gonna, range. Yeah. He was home alone with Mindy and Heidi. And that's when he tied them up, killed them outside. Took Jesse's advice. Exactly. Took the advice from Jesse. Bruce then waited by his bedroom window and open bedroom window for Rick and Ruth to get home with his half sister, Crystal. When the card pulled up bruce yelled out hi dad and rick asked him what he was doing with the gun and wasn't like overly concerned because like he could have been hunting like squirrels or yeah yeah he's like hey what are you doing with the gun bruce then shot him in the head and chest and he died immediately oh my god ruth and her daughter must so have been yeah so ruth runs inside the trailer chasing her young daughter crystal to try and call the police but as she picked up the phone to dial bruce ripped the phone cords out of the wall bruce ordered her out Outside and at, she got outside and started to kind of running away and he shot her in the back and killed her. Oh God. The last one killed was five-year-old Crystal. Crystal was inside the home, standing by the back door, looking at the dead bodies of her two sisters when he brought her outside and shot her in the head and killed her. Oh my God. And then he brought all of their bodies into the car, scooping up their blood <laughs> 
with the and brain shovel. matter and everything else with the sh- freaking shovel and then burned them like a freaking psycho. Whoa. Okay. Like, Isn't that this, just dark? Like this is a, this guy is a monster of the first degree. Oh, like, he's he's like there's no rehabilitation for the kind of person that does something like that. No. Like that's no. And especially he doesn't seem to show nothing that I've seen f- about him or from him seems to show that he is super remorseful. Right. Well, and if he just, won't even, if he won't even talk about right. why he did it other than shitty living conditions. Exactly. And like, or your parents abuse you. Like, I'm not saying that's not terrible and tragic and awful and can cause you to do crazy things. But like, the it, fact of the matter is, is he committed atrocious. He committed inhuman acts. Right. Like, and that that's, takes a lot of indifference and or a lot of rage. So after all of this came out, after Jesse confessed and told police everything, they did a more thorough search of the home, which I also was like, I know that they they searched the home and like it was an overwhelming scene. Because oh, yeah. like the house was a hoarder's house. It was house. a flea market house. Exactly. Yeah. And so they they did a thorough search of the house and they did find a journal in which Bruce just raged about his contempt for his dad. Was, his living situation. Did he say he was abusive in that? It didn't. I think maybe, perhaps that is where the allegations of abuse came from. Okay. Not that it excuses what right. he did, but right, but it, it would just, explain a little bit. Yeah. They also uh, did a search of Jesse's property. They located the rifle that was used to kill the family from that pond. The, they found the license plates and the additional bone pieces in in oh the that bag, makes me so. that makes me nauseous. So the gun had was engraved with BB Bruce Burnizer, and so they knew that that was that was Bruce's His gun. gun. And they also found skull material and bullet fragments in the ground next to the trailer. So again, I, I know like the, like I was saying the crime scene overwhelmed or the scene, the trailer overwhelming, but with the amount of searching that they did like helicopters and on the ground, I'm like, did they never bring like, I don't know, like cadaver dogs or something out? Because they would have found something, even if they scooped up stuff, they also found like an area of the outside ground that was clearly had been like covered in bleach. I wonder what those boys thought that was going to be. Right. right. I know. Yeah. Dirt doesn't, that doesn't that work that way. I know. Sorry, son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm like, do they never, I guess it just seemed odd to me that that wasn't something that was done. And again, maybe it was. They, and maybe I just, they didn't have the resources. That's true. Like, but I mean, they, they called it an anthropologist and a dental but specialist. But they could have just blown their whole budget right. on that. That's I mean, true. I, and there's no way to tell. So Bruce and Jesse were both arrested. Uh, Jesse, like I said, struck a deal where if he testified against Bruce, he would receive total immunity. So he wasn't charged with anything. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where Jesse is now or like anything. Right. Couldn't find anything. So he hopefully, fingers crossed, he just like went off the map. Right. And, like, and hopefully nothing What happened. could you do after right. that? I mean, people can find you. Right. So as I said, Bruce never confessed. He never made any statements about what he did that day. Like he, he just pled guilty and, and that was that was about it. So he was ordered to stand trial as an adult. This is so interesting and and i should have i i want to look into this more but i honestly don't even know how to research it bruce pled guilty to all five counts of murder but for three of them for the kids he claimed he was insane and that is what he was ultimately like that's what they they went with with the agreement no so he said in killing the children he believed that he was helping them by killing them after he had killed their mother but but he killed the two right girls first right i'm like I'm so, I don't get it. Uh, like, he killed the two stepsisters first, then he killed the parents, 
Then he killed the young girl. So it's like, did you go like flipping it out of like I was insane, but then I was saying that I was insane. I bet I bet they were having issues getting something to stick to a 15-year-old. Sure. And they were like, let's go for something that's definitely, definitely right. going to get him the maximum amount of time, as opposed to what maybe will get him more time than that. Right. And then yeah. they also like argued his defense attorneys argued that he was suffering from PTSD due to like the manipulation, like the words that were, were used in the article is because of an abusive and manipulative father who taunted him about being fat and looking like a girl. Huh? So, so yeah, so they, they, he claimed that both Ruth and Rick were abusive towards him. And so ultimately he was sentenced to one life term for the girls to be served at a mental facility and two life sentences to be served in a state correctional facility. Again, like, I don't even know how to start researching this because I'm so confused. Yeah, and I, like, how does that even How work? does it work? How does it... So right now, he's in a mental facility. According to the website, he will be eligible for parole in 2023. However, I think once he's out... Once he serves his quote unquote life sentence in the correct, in the right, mental the facility, minimum, right. he then moves to the correctional facility. That I believe. makes more sense to me. I believe, but that's not, yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but he's been serving his sentence in a mental health facility in Madison, Wisconsin. During the trial, a, another note, Bruce was completely unemotional. Just because seemed oh, yeah. totally disconnected. Indifferent. Didn't like the only time he actually like looked up was when he was sentenced. But other than that, he just like looked down and completely. He doesn't sound like he ever showed a lot of emotion. Yeah. I mean, he. Even but, before he killed them. So serving his, his life sentence in the mental health facility, there was a court case because apparently in 2013, they unilaterally decided to move him to a state correctional facility from the mental health facility. And he appealed the decision and it was decided that they needed to move him back to the mental health facility that like his, his sentence for the the single life term to be run like at that time was for the mental health facility. Yeah. But again, I don't know if that means like when he's done with his sentence for his, at the mental health facility, if he goes, I'm not sure. I think they have to evaluate at that time, just like they would for actual probation, like people that were actually eligible to be out in society, which he is not. Right. But they have to do an evaluation of all the same. Yeah. Of his demeanor and what his you know what he's done for retribution sure. and like all that stuff and it doesn't sound like he's done much he serving his sentence in this mental health facility and the mental health facility that he was in super lax with things like they were well that's they, reassuring they would take inmates on field trips one such field trip they brought them to see tommy boy which i died because that is my favorite movie but i'm just picturing being in a movie theater you oh, know in the late okay. 90s that looking over like Chris Farley's making jokes and I'm dying laughing. And I look <laughs> over and there's man a <laughs> and I yeah. look over and there's like people that are like handcuffed sitting next to me, like enjoying Chris Farley's humor. I'm like, how is this real? They can't. Surely they don't do that anymore. Like, well, that, honestly, like, if you were gonna see a movie, don't go see Shawshank. Right. Exactly. Because you're Thank gonna God get Tommy Boy. I wonder yeah. how Chris Farley <laughs> felt about inmates seeing his amazing film. R.I.P. Don't even get me started. Chris Farley is like my fucking favorite person in the whole world. So I, uh, I am still devastated about his death. In 1999, Bruce started an intimate relationship with a nurse at the facility. That's why you were sending me those. Yes. Texts. Yes. Oh my so I'll tell God. So he was sending, they sent each other love letters, naked pictures. They had a sexual relationship. She was like, she was in love with him. And so she ended up going to jail for this, of course. Yeah. He's still looking for love though, ladies and gents. I, t- I was texting Kate over the weekend because one of the things that came up when I was, you know, working on this case is Bruce Bernizer has a, a pen pal website for, so you can, you can write to Bruce and he's looking for 
friendship or an intimate relationship. And I have heard, like, of course, I've heard of like people writing to inmates. I am aghast. I, <laughs> I've heard of people writing to inmates. Like, it's of course we have oh, all yeah. heard of like the Bundy P, like the people who are just obsessed with Bundy. Oh, and like, you- I, so I of course don't. I was like, oh my god. And you were like, let me find. I need to like a look match. at. Yeah, <laughs> swipe right. But I was like, I've never actually. D- I've heard of of prison pen pals, of course. Never like actually seen the website. So I'm like, my browsing history right now is creepy because oh, i was like oh Ooh, what's this guy done oh murder oh okay he killed an entire fan okay yep so i was just like <laughs> or you said literally... that one to me it was yeah. like yeah he was literally like pimping out women picture, he looks like a pimp. he literally there were some of these photos that literally they had professional photos taken of themselves Ooh. for their like profiles for these websites it was crazy i've never i did not know this existed. I, I always assumed you found them through like the dark web. I don't know, but no, it's called Wire of Hope. It's a legitimate Wire website. Of hope. We that- are not promoting them. We are promoting Menards, <laughs> yes. where you can also find love <laughs> and gummy bears. So yeah, so that is the unfortunate and very sad case of the Renizer family. Well, I found that to be truly fascinating. I mean, sad. Yeah, but fascinating and shocking, right? Because you shocking. like did not see it you did not think it was bruce because again it's like a motiveless crime the motive is so petty that you're like there's no way that the motive could be that but it seems like it is or he's just not admitting right you know or we just don't know too ugly for him to even like or maybe he doesn't have a good reason right and And if you want to know more go to wire of hope (laughs) and adopt a pen pal and adopt bruce is looking for love guys prisoner yeah bruce is looking for love thanks katie i'll just keep rescuing (laughs) dogs like They're not going to murder me. Like, <laughs> oh. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Kate is up next week with, I think you said South Dakota, right? South Dakota. Maybe that's what we can also start maybe like by giving a little hint yeah. each week. Yeah. So you guys can try and guess what, what we got up our sleeve. So Kate's doing South Dakota next week. Yeah. See what, see what uh, you can come up with, what ideas you have for what she's going to bring us. But no serial killers this time. I know I've been, a, I've been on a little bit of a like multiple. Yeah, I know. Kick, I know you have. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy myself the serial killer every now, <laughs> every now and then. Maybe I should I be do fancy a serial I do fancy killer. a serial killer. <laughs> Not enough to write one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, South Dakota. You know, you got us the cheese state. Yeah. Got Wisconsin. us the cheese state is, is checked off the list. We should have like a map where we, we like. Should. Okay, we'll do that. That'd be super fun. Be fun. Well, thanks, guys. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow, all of that stuff. You can find us now, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Amazon, all that, all that fun stuff. And then shoot us an email if you have any ideas or you're really, you're I'm really hung super, up on the email. Just fucking email me, okay? God. <laughs> you guys need to Do or she's going to start favor. writing a prisoner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he'll write me. Yeah. <laughs> any future prisoners out yeah. there? <laughs> Go ahead and email us. Katie's looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah. But feel free to email us at thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, tell, tell your folks, folks we says hi. hi.